missed all of you last Sunday very much. Love all of you. And we had uh, a funeral for my mom last Saturday. Went to church at Bridgeport on Sunday. Before that, we Bonnie and I went out to the shop to find a um, a picture of mom. It was we had a a picture put away in some containers. And and uh, while we were looking for that uh, photograph of her, it was as far as the funeral to be displayed in the front. And uh, she's cremated. So. I had flowers and a picture of mom, and uh, so in looking for that, we found a, a Bible that dad uh, had given my mom in, in 1947, and uh, they were married in 47 in March, and that Bible came later, I'm not sure what month, but my mom gave it to me in 1984, uh, about when Bonnie and I was married, in December, almost a year Bonnie and I was married, so... And in the back of that Bible, 1947, was a note to my mom, and it uh, it was talking about my dad saying, had we'd been in church, trouble would not come have ring our bells. And my dad's spelling was terrible, fourth grade education, and so his writing was, was not that best, but to, to figure that out was meant a great deal to me, and a great deal to me because church and God was important to them then. And mom brought us up... Uh, uh, at that time, when we were growing up, Dad didn't go to church that much. Mom brought us up in Church of Christ there at Bridgeport in class system. And uh, when Bonnie and I were married, of course, there were some things that we had to, to study about, you know, on, about that. But that was our start with my parents. It was important to Mom and Dad in their marriage that they went to church. And they were 21 and 23s right after the war. And, uh, and so I just, my mind just went back in history. I was, my mind was saying, what happened, Dad, that you were writing Mom a note saying, had we not gotten in trouble and we'd been at church on Sunday, trouble wouldn't have rang or bell. So something was going on. So he was saying to her, we need to be in church. <clears throat> you know, the, the title of this, I think Bonnie and I, we, we started looking at a, a, a study in Proverbs. It's kind of why this come in my mind. And in Proverbs... Is taking marriage and applying Proverbs, uh, the wisdom of it, to help you in your marriage. And this is a lesson that I don't hear much of here or anywhere about marriage. I think we like money. I think we stay away from them. And I'm not going to apologize this time about talking about this subject, marriage. Last time I talked on money, Sean, I got up here and said, started saying I'm sorry before we ever started. <laughs> so I'm not going to say I'm sorry because the things we're going to apply is the truth. And the things will apply to the, to the wife and the husbands, both of us. And so I think marriage killers, you, automatically you just go to thinking uh, adultery and, and uh, maybe a husband or wife being on drugs or uh, completely alcoholic or something that just what we think of that kills a marriage. But not so much. It's something that I think gets into all of our marriages that keeps us being the effective husband and wife we need to be for the Lord. I think marriage killers is not necessary that it's ended as far as it being in a divorce. It's ended in a way that we're just not effective. We're not engaged as husband and wife for the Lord in the church. When I say that, many times the relationships dies even though marriages, people are still living in the same house. And, you know, we cannot have that as Christians. Our marriages are to, to, uh, to thrive. And we can find out that our marriages together will be so much stronger, two-cord rope, stronger, right, than a single cord. And I think that's true looking at Proverbs for us. You know, Proverbs is so much 
wisdom there. I think in my early marriage, for me, I throw this out there, I think first 10 years was rough on Bonnie because I, I don't think I applied these things. I was not using wisdom. And there was things that I did that looking back, I was foolish. And that's where Proverbs looks at marriage a lot is teaching wisdom. And if you're not doing this wisdom, you're acting foolishly. And I acted foolishly a lot of times. So, you know, thank goodness she stuck with it. I'm happy that she did because I believe the latter part of our marriage has been wonderful. And she and I are as happy as we've ever been. But I believe that we're, we both are applying more godly wisdom to help us in that. These things are really things that sneak up. Two things, anger and pride. I think when you look at it when you, as a couple, we've got so much going on in our lives today. There's pressure of, of a lot of things in this last few years. Think about what we've gone through as a country. We got politically uh, uncertainty. The pandemic went on. All that caved in on work, careers. So you had that going on. Your schools, goodness. Teachers, nurses, doctors, oh, have been really under a struggle. So these things can, can cause stress, a lot of emotions, and it can come into the home, can it? Hard day. And you come in and, and some guys... I'm going to pick on both of us, husband and wife. Maybe we're at bear at times, but, you know, that's one of the first things that I thought of was just anger, Ang bringing anger into the home. The other one is that once we get angry and we cause these problems is, is the pride. The pride thing gets in the way at that time because we'll say things that we don't mean and hurt feelings and then to think that I'm right and I'm not going to budge now and, and when you really should be saying I'm sorry, we don't do because of the pride thing. So these two things get into the way of marriage killers. You know, the study that we've been looking at in Proverbs, we've gone through, of course, chapter 1 and up to about, I think, 17 now. So we'll look at a few of these chapters. Not a real long lesson, but I think the things we'll look at today will help us in our marriage to take Proverbs, that wisdom and plight. A wise man feareth and departeth from evil, but the fool rageth and is confident. That confident means careless. He that is soon angry dealeth, dealeth foolishly, and a man of wicked devices is hated. You know, when you look at anger in itself, when we think about that emotion of anger, anger itself is it's probably, in a lot of times, needed for, you know, as an emotion, but to help you if you was in a war, you probably need a little bit of stubborn anger. I'm going to survive and love my country. I'm going to fight. I think it's probably needed, but there's, I think there's anger that we're going to talk about is when it starts making you sin. It's, it's when you lose it and you say things that we shouldn't say. Jesus got angry. He didn't sin. And I think we can get angry. It's an emotion in and of itself. It's not sinful. But when it makes us do things that God tells us not to do, then it becomes sinful, doesn't it? So we find out here that if we let it be there, and it makes us rage, or we're soon to get angry, we're hothead, we're going to be dealing, deal, we deal foolishly. So we need to stay away from that. We see in Proverbs 14, 29, he that is slow to wrath is of great understanding, but he that is hasty of spirit exalteth folly. Kind of the same thing. We can see where James got his thoughts about anger. It was written about in Proverbs years before. You know, one thing about uh, 
anger, it says here, it says a hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger quiets contention. There's two ways you've got to go when, you, when someone is angry. You can either hold your tongue, and I think to be disciplined as Christians is one of the hardest things that we can do because that tongue says things that is sometimes just not right. And you know, when we bring it home to the wife or when the wife brings it home to the husband, and we lash out because of the things that we've gone through. And it's just almost like a release. You just got to say it. And it goes out there. Whether they're right or wrong, we're not talking about that. It's, it's the tone and exactly the way we say things is going to cause those hurt feelings. It says here a hot-tempered man is going to stir it up. When you think about stirring something up, say if you've got a bucket of water and you've got something in it, you stir it and stir it and stir it and all that stuff is just, I mean, the law of nature shows that it's going to be stirred up. All those particles in that water is going to just be twirling around, going everywhere. But a quiet man or a quiet person who's slow to anger is trying to quiet the situation. So if you stop stirring, if you just set your little paddle down and stop stirring and watch the particles in that bucket, the law of nature is that it's just going to fall to the bottom and get quiet. And that's the way we are. Same way. If we stir it, and stir it, <laughs> it's going to get angry, isn't it? But if we just stop, different tone, say it in due season, and or not say it at all, and then say good words, pleasant words, it quietens. So we see it, and that's the that's the the wisdom of proverbs in marriage. To me, is that it's it's basic, natural rules that will help us. Don't go to bed angry. Ephesians 4, 26, be ye angry and sin not, let not the sun go down upon your wrath, your anger. You know, I, for me, I think I have listened to so much about, well, the doties, you know, that's just a doty thing. They're, they can get angry. The redhead, redhead and, and red complexion, they're just, that's just the way they are. They're going to get angry. Genetically, that's, that's just the way you are. You're going to get angry. That's not right. That is not correct. Anger, when it starts making us sin, it's, it's just it's sin. You can't put a genetic on it. You can't put, that's just the way that redhead is. You can't put none of that on it. God says for us to get angry and sin not. So we see that when we get that way and we sin and then we go to bed angry, we're not communicating right. Husband and wife is sitting there going to bed angry. And it's on your mind and you're floating all this in your mind still. Still stirring, isn't it? Hadn't quieted down. So there's no communication. You get up, you go to your day, now you're angry at that day. You come back, probably angry again. You still hadn't worked. So day two, for Bonnie and I, she's more out to get it talked out. I'm more out, I'll I'll take it a couple days. I'm just not going to talk. Nowhere in the Bible teaches about clamoring up and not talking. And that's what this is saying, is this communications is that I think Merle used to say it best. Let's just throw it out here and water in it. Let's just throw it out here on the coffee table and water in it. Let's get it worked out. And that's the way we should be. We should work things out. Don't go to bed angry. It's biblical. It's not Brett Doty saying, I'm just reading it. It's the truth. And the truth is, is that marriage sometimes is hard. We get angry. We let the pressures of this world come in in our lives. As Christians... To be effective and to be engaged in this life, I think as husband and wife, we're setting an example to children 
if they see that, they're possibly going, you know, maybe take that into their life. It's not genetics, not because they're redheads, because they see mom and dad doing it. Most of the time, it's that cycle. So we have we have a, a reason to to do it for our children. We have a reason to do it because God tells us not to. But to be engaged in church work, for us to be at odds with each other, and other church members see that, um, I think it's the same thing as if with our children. This is brothers and sisters in Christ. So, oop, don't go there. You know they're they're having it again. So we can't do that. It's if we do. At, at best, you know, go somewhere, talk it over, get it worked out, and come back out, and we'll, and I'll let you remind me of that with Bonnie later on if we have a problem, but, you know, that is something that we should all keep in check. I know I need to, and I hope you have that same heart, that what Solomon is teaching us here is to get it worked out. Don't go to bed angry. Anger. This is where James, I think, later on started talking about this thing, and and wrapping it all up in a good bundle. Talk about the tongue. How it's just not controllable. Even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire. A world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members. That it defileth the whole body. And setteth on fire the course of nature. And is set on fire of hell. It defileth the whole body. You know the thing said. An action. It's kind of like faith. Faith is faith, but if you don't do anything about it, it's dead faith. This old body here is going to talk. If it doesn't say good, pleasant words, build-up words, life words, if it goes about all the time destructing, saying wrong things, beat down, and just negative. So we see where it can set that fire on. That little tongue can set fire all over the place. One little match in dry kindling, it's going to go. And so we see this example, this analogy here in James that he's using, that the tongue, that little member, it boasts such great things. So let's control anger, let's control the tongue. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. And that's what it comes down to. Bottom line is that if we're acting that way, James here, Solomon taught us, angry, saying things that we are going to have to go apologize about later. More easily to say something instead of just sitting back listening and be slow to speak, uh, slow to wrath. It doesn't work the righteousness of God. It does not. So how do we use words for the good? You know, if if you've seen it at home, if you've seen it in a dysfunctional dysfunctional home, dysfunctional family. And you're a Christian now. And you have a habit to tear down, to say words that are not pleasant, to, to do what we're studying about. You've got to break that cycle. And I think one of the best ways to break it is to take wisdom from Solomon. Look how just easy answers these are for us. A soft answer turns away wrath, but grievous words stir, stir up anger. You know, a, a soft answer is was when you talk to someone, let's say you had something going on, and you're, you're visiting someone, and, and you want good, solid wisdom. But you hear a hard answer, you're more out not to take that. If you keep getting beat down with not good words. If we need to counsel, if we need to teach, if we need to build up, 
it's got to be with soft answer. It's like honey. It's just easy to take. So how to use words for the good. And the wisdom we can learn here, exactly how to. Proverbs 15 and 23. A man hath joy by the answer of his mouth. And a word spoken in due season, how good is it? You know, we were talking about text month today. And, and I could talk to Tex in his own way, in just that way he brought things. It was just, it was just good. And it was words in a due season. He, would, he was a good read of character. And he could look in them eyes and see this needs to be said right now. And that's the way we should be, Christians, with our children, with a brother and sister in Christ, whether we're building up. If they're tore down, they need to be built up. Maybe there's times for reproving, maybe, but we can do it with the soft answer. We can use it with tone, and we just give wisdom. And that's what this is talking about. How good is it? Proverbs 15, 26, the thoughts of the wicked are an abomination to the Lord, but the words of the pure are pleasant words. You know, when you think about thoughts and, and, uh, and pride and, and things going on in our lives, there's a lot of things in this life that we think of that's just terrible. That's abomination of the Lord. But read Proverbs 15. The thoughts of the wicked are abomination of the Lord. Even the simple thing of, of a thought. And the words that we use. The heart of the righteous studieth the answer, but the mouth of the wicked poureth out evil things. One of the things that I think we do is when we don't study to answer is, is opinions, opinionated, um, our own wisdom. And if we can't give uh, godly wisdom the way we need to from Proverbs or, or anywhere throughout the Bible and say, well, I believe maybe you should do this or give that kind of wisdom we, we are, we're lacking in our in our lives. So, with their wives, husbands, and wives the other way to the husband, we need to study the answer. If, if Bonnie and I, if, if we get into a discussion and we're talking, and she has one way of doing something and I have another, and, and you think about this in your life, and I'm sure I'm going to ask a question. Y'all had fights in your married life, right? Like, never? No discussions? Okay. I hope that you have, and if you haven't, this is wonderful. If you have, this will help us. It's helped Bonnie and I. Study to answer. <laughs> Don't say too quick. Got to study. Think about it. And not harsh. And so if, if we're having a discussion, and it's, man, I want it this way. So bad. And she's set in her way of wanting it her way. Here's where I'm thinking is, even if I'm wrong, okay, or let's say even if she's right, I need to, I, I don't need to stir it up. I need to be quiet. Now, if it's godly, if it's something out of the Bible and it's truth, yeah, we're, we need to stick to her guns. But I'm saying most of the things that we fight about as married couple. When it comes to the judgment day, it ain't going to matter. It's over pride, us being angry, and a lot of things that is selfishness. 
because I wanted it my way. I want to win. You think about that for a minute. When good Lord comes back and that trumpet toots, it ain't going to matter. It is not going to matter. Words spoken in due season, pleasant words, and study the answer. It's, it's helped me. Destruction words. That was stupid. <laughs> that would get you nowhere. Don't be dumb. You never understand me. Generalities. You never make any sense. Criticism, complaining, yelling, backhanded compliments, words spoken in anger. You know, the author of this book that we're studying um, had a friend, friends, married couple, and they would go and visit with them. Husband, uh, just backhanded compliments, made fun, said bad words to his wife in front of them all the time, made him very awkward, very awkward. And he, he finally, to the point where he took him to the side and said, you need to lighten up what you're doing. He said, what you're doing is not right. He gave, he gave him biblical reason why. And they kind of, that friendship, it didn't get much better, so it, that kind of separated a little bit. And that man come to his office one day and said, well, she did it. She did it. She divorced me. So there's destructive words, and there's build-up words. There's destructive words, and then there's words of life, words of love, words of support and encouragement. I love you. I'm sorry. I forgive you. You can do this no matter what. I'm here for you. And you know, there's times that, yes, we are going to argue, and there's times that we're not going to be perfect in our marriage. But looking at Proverbs and taking this wisdom is going to help us in their, our marriage as Christians. Pride, the next one, number two that was on the list. It is a relationship killer. It's a faith killer. You know, whether you're married or not, in this congregation here today, these are things that from Proverbs we take to heart. It builds relationships with anyone when we have the right things going on in our life. If we have pride going on in our life, it's a, it's a faith killer, it's a relationship killer. Proverbs 16, 5, everyone that is proud in heart, here's where I, it really hit home with me. Anyone who's proud in heart is abomination to the Lord. Everything that we, we holler about in this world, how different people are and the sinfulness that's going on and, and how it's just terrible, we read that's abomination to the Lord. But yet, if you've got a pride problem, and I've got a pride problem, it's abomination to the Lord. Right there with the rest of the evil that's going on in the world. That's hard. That hit me right in the heart, and I still ain't pulled that dagger out on that one. I've had pride problems, and God's not happy with it. I've had pride problems that was not right in my married life. I, I, was, I was foolish. And until we see that, that foolishness that Proverbs speaks about, and we get rid of that of our life, out of our life, that pride problem just will continue. It says, though hand and joint in hand, he shall not be unpunished. And pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. You know, we can look at so many stories throughout the Bible about pride where it did not work well for anybody. So marriage killers are deceiving. 
Proverbs 16, 25, there's a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. You know, I think that we use some of this stuff in our married life for so long. We're married so long, 37 for Bonnie and I, and we're just youngsters in it compared to a lot of people. You're taking two people, putting them together at a young age when you really don't know how you are to act, and you finally start kind of figuring things out to the point all the way until one day you you bury a husband or, or bury a wife. It's a lifetime, right? So we see that the things that we do for so long, they almost become right. We don't, we don't condemn ourselves from it no more. We don't go to the book and read and say, that's wrong, because we've done it for so long. That's deceiving is what that is. That's Satan working, saying it's okay. You just keep putting your thumb in her back or, or saying things, and you keep her in line, you keep him in line. Make sure you get him lined out, get her lined out. Some of the things that we do that goes on that husband, wives, are they're prideful. And until we figure that out, it's deceiving you and I. Anger uses words of destruction instead of words of life. Pride problems would be like, you're not going to say I'm sorry. I mean, it's, that's a... That's a repentance to the husband and repentance to the wife. That's what that is. I'm sorry. I, I shouldn't have done that. I, I want to turn my way away from that and not do that anymore. And so if we can't pull that out, we've, we may have a pride problem. Stalemate behavior between both husband and wife. You know what stalemate is for those that are chess players? I really didn't know it until I read about it. It's, it's a draw. Stalemate. You ain't got to move. They ain't got to move. And stalemate behavior in a married couple is, I ain't budging. I know I'm wrong, but I'm not budging. And she's not either. What happens then? You go to bed angry. Oh, that's good. Now I'm the winner. But not really not because she ain't talking to me. <laughs> you go to bed angry and wake up angry. You go to work, you're angry. And you come back, you're angry. Never gets worked out. So stalemate is a problem. It's a pride problem. It's self-serving, pride is. Will not listen or heed instruction even when wrong. You know, in, in Proverbs, a, a lot of that foolishness is, is that if you're there and you don't heed instruction, uh, we become foolish. It's a marriage killer. It's a relationship killer. So how do we get through all this? I believe... That everything that we do in our marriage for the rest of our lives is that we commit life and marriage to the Lord. We counsel about it. We talk about it. We study about it. We make it effective. We engage in the church work. It's Proverbs 16 and 3. Commit thy works unto the Lord and thy thoughts shall be established. Pray about it. One thing is God first and yourself last. You know, I, and Bonnie will say it all the time. I'm, as far as she and I together, you know, she's mine and I'm hers. And that's why I own her and she owns me. And when we put that other person first like that, it's just, it's a treatment. It's, it's, it's not self-serving. It's, it's serving. And as long as we're doing that serving, that pride just won't wedge in there. 
You know a sticker, you know, it's, it's, when you study how a sticker works, you ever get a sticker? The way it's shaped, it just keeps digging in there once it gets in. It just digs the way that wedge is. Just crawls in deeper. And I'm telling you that we need to be not a sticker that keeps wedging in when it comes to Christ. Dig it out. Just dig it out. Don't be self-serving. Serve the other one. Husband, serve your wife. Wife, serve your husband. And when we do, we are serving God when we love and serve our spouse. It's ultimately the byproduct of it all is, is that we're serving God. It's what he asks us to do. Husbands were to love our wives the way Christ loved the church. Now, wives are to honor and respect the husband. So that honor and respect and that kind of love is going to build us up to be the Christian married couples that we are needed to be. You know, I thought about this as, as this lesson. Most times it's not taught, a lot of time not in pulpit. It's waited until the problem arises and gets this big. It's because you went to bed angry. It's because we didn't study Proverbs. It's because we let pride come into our lives. It's because we have anger in our answers and not soft answers when we need to. And then we're sitting at a table with a godly man who's counseling us. That shouldn't be that way. There should be more of this right here. If we're going to have common goals like we talked about today, let's have a common goal of being the best husband and wife in our lives that we can be to each other. That that reflects out to our children, to this congregation, to other congregations, to the community. And that engagement, it just grows. Two cord ropes stronger than one. I don't know the minds and the hearts of those that are here today. I hope some things that I've said is, is good for you and your marriage, that it will help you be a, a stronger husband and wife. That there, if there's anything that does arise, take care of it. Don't let it fester. Take care of it. Let those relationships grow and, and get better. If there's anything that's not right with you, I know this would be a hard one, wouldn't it, to come forward on. Seems like it would be embarrassing, wouldn't it, right now? But I'm going to tell you, it doesn't matter. God is forgiving, and he wants the best for us as husband and wife. Don't let pride get in the way of that. Don't be feeling awkward on this lesson that we've had. 